Well, hello and welcome to another episode of A Better Conversation. I'm Gus Simpson, joined as always by the boss man himself, Aaron Couch. How's it going this morning, Aaron? It's going good. And more importantly, Gus, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. There's a lot of snow on the ground outside. Exceptionally average. <laughs> I have. I was told by one of our dozens of listeners that um, I don't ever ask you how you're doing. Oh. And so I'm still learning all this podcast oh, well, etiquette. Thank you, listener, for yeah. caring about my well-being. So, anyway. So, yeah, I would be at a solid 10 were it not for the 78 inches of snow on the ground right yeah, now. Yeah, like maybe the worst February in the history of mankind. <laughs> yep. And, of course, you're listening to this about three weeks out, and I just hope and pray that there's no snow on the ground as you listen to this. That would be spectacular. So we are uh, still following along with our sermon series. We're in our uh, healthy community bit. And today we're going to talk about forgiveness. And Aaron, uh, just kind of like, where do you want to start with this? Yeah, so forgiveness, first of all, massive topic. And what immediately uh, people respond to this whole conversation with is, well, you're saying I have to forgive this person who did this catastrophic thing and... Um, on one hand, I would say yes. What I what I also want to say is I also recognize that it's not that's that's way more than a trite platitude. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like to to work towards forgiveness is critical, regardless of the offense, no matter how big it is. Um, I think it was uh, Victor Frankel who was uh, he was in the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and he was writing about all the atrocities that they did. But the reason why he was able to get through it was because the one thing that they couldn't take was his mind, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and his perspective. And his, he has um, a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Great book, by the way. Yeah. yeah and, I had to read it in college. And uh, he talks a lot about that. Like the posture with which I approach trauma is as important as the significance of the trauma itself mm-hmm. and, and, and my ability to process it and move forward. And forgiveness, it, it's this massive topic with I, – and I know that for many of us – um, there, there are these deep, 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 deep wounds that we're still wrestling with and, and, you know, how could they do this? There's abuse and whatever. Um, on the flip side of that, probably 90, and this is a preacher stat, but probably 90 plus percent of the issues that we're talking about when we're talking about forgiveness is, um, you know, day to day routine, you hurt my feelings and I'm not getting over it. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens in that process is, um, when I choose to not get over, and I say it that way intentionally, when I choose to not get over the offense that's done to me, uh, it's like planting a seed in really fertile soil with perfect environment, and that seed of bitterness grows mm-hmm. and becomes consuming, and it really does become consuming. And so when we're talking about forgiveness, um, that's the the vast majority of things, like letting go of these things that... Uh, I heard it said it's like death by paper cuts. Like it's not the major things. It's the thousand mm-hmm. little things that we didn't let go. Mm-hmm. Um, letting go of those thousand little things so that we can um, become healthy and whole and, and function in relationship in a, in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. That's good. And with that being said, then what is, what is forgiveness not? Yeah. So um, forgiveness is not. And this is important because... What a lot of people will say is, um, if I forgive, then you, that means I just let them back into mm-hmm. my life and let them keep offending yeah. and keep offending and keep offending. Well, and we have we have the phrase, you know, forgive and forget, and I think that gets misused a lot. Too. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
especially if the offense is a big one, mm. you will never forget it. Yeah. You will never forget. And so what I would say, first of all, is forgiveness is not restoration mm. of, of the relationship, certainly not to where it was before the offense. So if somebody deeply hurts you, you can forgive them and, and essentially, um, and we'll talk about what this means, but forgiveness is letting go of your right to be angry at them or letting go of your need for them to pay. But that does not mean forgiveness is not just letting them back into my life like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be foolish. And that would be foolish. Uh, also, uh, forgiveness is, is not... Um, just get over it and don't think about it ever again. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is not, well, throw caution to the wind and don't live by the lessons you learn through that process. Mm-hmm. It's not that. Um, forgiveness is way bigger than that. And, and when we misconstrue that, then what happens is when you have a situation like a wife who's being abused or battered by her husband or vice versa, a husband is being battered by his wife. We, they feel like they don't have the power. If they're going to honor God, they don't have the the power to leave because mm-hmm. I just have to forgive them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bible says, "Turn the other cheek." Well, I think that's a misappropriation of that verse, right? Like when yeah. when safety's involved, yeah. you leave, and you can work towards forgiveness, but that doesn't mean you step back in without them actually proving over time that they've changed. Mm-hmm. So forgiveness is not just throwing caution to the wind and jumping back into the middle of a mess without their repentance. But repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's confession. Yeah. Repentance is an actual proven track record of walking a different yeah, you're path. actually changing your actions yep. over time. Yep. That's good. Uh, so then uh, you had a uh, Matthew 18 in here, Peter talking to Jesus about forgiveness. Yeah. Let's unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So one of my favorite ways to talk about forgiveness as a, as a discipline, and, and I'll, it is a discipline. The hard thing about forgiveness is that it's a great thing to talk about conceptually, but we actually have to be good at actually um, taking real forgiveness seriously, actually really forgiving real people who really hurt mm-hmm. our real feelings mm-hmm. um, in the real world. And we actually have to be good at it. That's what we're called to. I think if there's if there's two fundamental uh, pillars of the kingdom of God, one is generosity and the other is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two things that we're called to again and again and mm-hmm. again. Those are some of the two things that are hardest, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think that's probably the reason why like that, that is so generosity and forgiveness is so countercultural mm-hmm. and yet so exactly the way the world is designed to function. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's that exact dying to self that, you know, Jesus modeled. Yeah. Which we'll talk about that in a later episode, you know, the, what does that even mean to, and, yeah. the, and with boundaries? But, um, so uh, forgiveness with Peter. So Peter comes in Matthew 18 to Jesus and he says to him, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to forgive him up to seven times? Now, the law said you had to forgive him three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, that law being? Torah. Torah, okay. Yeah, so Torah said that you had to forgive him three times. Um, Jesus had just gotten done talking to them about, you know, when somebody sins against you, Go and show them their sin, hmm. and when they when they repent, then forgive them. And if they don't repent, then you take this step. And if they don't repent, you take this step, this step, this step. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, the whole framing of that in in community, it says you treat them as you would a tax collector or a pagan. 
we've always interpreted that. And I, and again, I'm going to qualify this in community. We've always interpreted that as we just cut them off. We mm-hmm. shun them, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of churches still do with church discipline. They mm-hmm. shun them. That is, Jesus has just been spending at this point about the last two years, two and a half years, showing them how to treat tax collectors and pagans. Mm-hmm. Not you don't shun them. You don't shun <laughs> them. You bring alert. them into yeah. the center of the community. You don't treat them like they're okay, yeah. but you also don't cut them off. That's yeah. that's not how Jesus would. Now, that doesn't mean then individually that they come back into the center of my world, but as a community, um, we have a certain way that we treat them. Mm-hmm. So then he has this, uh, Peter comes to him and says, hey, how many times do I have to do that? Like if they keep repenting, how many times do I have to do that? And... Um, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, not seven times, but 70 times, seven times, which has been translated a couple of different ways. Um, And it it can be from the Greek grammatical construct, it can be understood as 77 times or 70 times, seven times, which is 490 times, Mm -hmm. right? Which raises this really interesting question in the Western church. What's the number? Yeah, <laughs> I need to know the number. So, yep. I so know that, at what point I get to cut them off? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, so that I can hit the mark. Yeah, which again completely misses the point of the conversation, mm-hmm. which is about a posture of the heart. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it, I got to know the number. So even if it's four hundred twenty, okay, Lord, I will work at it. But there are people who need it four hundred ninety-one times, <laughs> and at four ninety-one, they're toast. Yeah. I'm going to unleash all my wrath from all those other yeah. 490 times. Which, which can you even imagine keeping a record, like writing something down 490 times? Like, right. I mean. Well, <laughs> yeah. But it ties into something we're talking about here later yeah. in 1 Corinthians 13. Um, love doesn't keep that record. Yeah. But um, that's the, the question that's always raised for us. Um, and the truth is, even if... You're like, okay, at this number, I don't have to forgive you anymore. And not only are you going to pay for that, you're going to pay for all the other things. That's a complete misunderstanding of actual forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Here's what Jesus is doing. This is very rabbinic. It's very Jewish. um, And it's, there's millions of examples of this in the Bible. Um, But what he's doing is he's throwing Peter back into a story with this phrase 70 times, seven times that, um, makes Jesus's point without Jesus having to just say the point. Mm. However, what it does do is demand that Peter has an understanding of the text. And that's, that's the part that we missed, not because we're not smart, but because we don't, we don't ask the same set of questions of the Bible. We don't uh, learn the Bible the same way they did. And so consequently we don't see what they did. And so for me, um, the, the beginning of this whole thing that Jesus says, says this weird statement 70 times, seven times, is that we have to understand what he's doing from the perspective of the world that he's living in, right? And I, mm-hmm. and I keep reiterating this. You cannot understand what it means for you until you know what it meant for them. Yep. Context um, matters. Exclamation point. <laughs> so what's happening is Jesus is throwing Peter back into a statement that was made in Genesis chapter four. Um, Peter wouldn't have called it chapter four, but for us, it's Genesis chapter <laughs> yeah. four. Here's the story of what's going on. And pieces of this are going to be a podcast, another podcast for another day. Mm-hmm. When Adam and Eve deal with eating the fruit, um, there is a lot of, um, 
and this is in the it's in the syntax, it's in the way that this is constructed. But there's a lot of tension going on there that we miss. Um, not the least of which is that Adam, the his first charge after God says to Eve, "Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you." Um, his first order of business is that he gives her a name. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how does this connect to seventy times seven? Hang with me. <laughs> Here's what's going on there that's actually really significant. Up until this point, Adam has been given the the task of naming the animals. In the Jewish mind, and and again, this is Jewish people writing to a Jewish audience in a Jewish context. Um, In the Jewish mind, when you name something, you do two things. Number one, you describe its character. Um, so that's why the names of the people in the Bible is really significant. Like mm-hmm. it's not just a tag. It's not just a label. Yeah. This is a significant description. Of yeah, they're they not just picking something out of the baby book. That sounds cool. Right, yeah. right. What are the most popular <laughs> names for 2019? Apple. BC. <laughs> um, but the other thing that you're doing with it is you're taking authority over it. Mm. And that's important because what happens is when God takes the round – out of Adam. We translate it rib, but it doesn't say rib. It says it takes the round out of Adam. And that's another conversation. Um, Adam gives her a descriptor. He calls her woman, but that's, he's a man, but his name is Adam, right? He's man-ish, but his name is Adam. Mm-hmm. He calls her Isha, woman. He doesn't give her a name. And so the question is why, and the rabbis have a field day with this. There's a lot written about that, but again, another conversation for another day. Um, The first thing that he does, once God definitively says, Eve, your desire, or woman, your desire is going to be for your husband, but he's going to rule over you. The first thing Adam does is give her a name. Now, the name that he gives her, Chava, means wellspring of life. And we're like, oh, isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Well, no, it isn't. And Nahum Sarna um, is the one who has done the most work on this. But what he points out is in Aramaic, which is what the language of the, that the Bible was written in, in Aramaic, um, very similar to Hebrew, Chava is on the same word tree as snake. Hmm. So what, what's happening is he, he names her something that every time somebody mentions her name, she's going to be reminded of her worst day. Mm-hmm. Like his first act as leader, for sure, definitive leader, given by God authority leader, is an act of revenge. Hmm. And she doesn't take it well. She doesn't take <laughs> it well at all. Can imagine in why. fact, <laughs> uh, when you begin chapter four, and it's, it's not translated well in the English, it says, um, Adam knew his wife and she conceived. Um, what it says in Genesis chapter four is the man... Uh, Yadad knew his wife, Eve, Chava, and she conceived, which is important because chapter four, the rabbis teach that chapter four begins to be taken from her perspective. And what Mm. she says there is, and this is a fascinating statement that has lots and lots and lots of layers to it. She says, I bartered a deal with God. Literally, I bartered a deal with God and he gave me another man, Mm. which is weird because... He's not a man. The male child is a different word. Yeah. God didn't give her. So it's almost like if, if in fact, we're doing some if-then statements. If <laughs> Eve was actually there to form some sort of a leadership role in the beginning, and through the eating of the apple, 
um, or whatever it was. We assume it was an apple because that's what the picture says. <laughs> if it, through the eating of the fruit, the rules switched. It's almost like she's saying, I bartered to deal with God. And if I can't be in charge over, over him, over my husband, I will be in charge over this child. Mm-hmm. Why? Why all that dysfunctional yucky? Because she's in a bad place because of what Adam did to her. Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting is Cain, her, that, that child, Cain kills Abel. Cain's line, seven generations. And yes, that's significant. Um, the number seven there. Ends, the fulfillment of his line is a guy by the name of Lamech. And what Lamech says to his two wives, Adah and Zillah, he says, I have injured a young man for touching me. I have murdered a young man for hurting me. If Cain was avenged seven times, then Lamech has been avenged 70 times, seven times. Hmm. And so... What happens in that story is because of, and and this is the significance, because Adam refuses to forgive Eve, seven generations from them, Lamech pays the price for it. Mm. Like this is the, and this is the message that Jesus is trying to communicate to Peter. If, if you ever get to the point where you feel like you don't have to forgive people, it's not you who pays the price. It's your great-great-grandchildren. You are establishing a legacy of bitterness and revenge. And that, whether it's forgiveness or bitterness and revenge, generationally, those things get passed on to your, to your offspring. That's the message that Jesus is communicating. Like, it's way bigger than the number, Peter. Yeah. It's way bigger than that. This is about us being able to restore a legacy in our own family that allows us to be able to pass on the right things to our children. Mm-hmm. Now in the end, it looks like uh, if you complete Genesis chapter four, and there's so much fun discussion about all this, that uh, the rabbis teach that everything significant that happened in the Bible happened in the first four chapters of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would suggest that perhaps, you know, the gospels are significant, <laughs> but they, um, they wouldn't agree with that. But to understand all the things that are going on in Genesis one through four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's, a lot, of layers there's there. a lot of stuff going on there. And it seems like they kind of get it figured out because then um, they conceive again and give birth to Seth. And uh, then all of a sudden, um, it seems like Seth, you know, his seven generations from Seth is Enoch. Mm-hmm. And Enoch was so in tune with God that it says mm-hmm. that he walked with God and he was no more. Like somewhere along the way, they do get things kind of settled down and figured yeah. out. But that legacy of bitterness, like it's not you who pays the price only for your lack of forgiveness. It's mm-hmm. your children and their children and their children and their children. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this big deal. And so what Jesus is saying to him is um, you can never, ever be in the habit of finding the place where you don't have to forgive anymore. Now, it doesn't make forgiveness easy. And maybe it's a process and maybe it's a journey. But we should always be working toward forgiveness because if we don't. We mess our we mess our legacy up, mm-hmm. and that's part of the um, you know in Exodus twenty when the Ten Commandments um, the sins of the father are passed down to the third and fourth generation. That's part of what that means. You know, there's this generational yeah like yeah. Well, I was going to ask you like what's the tie in with kind of the concept of generational sin? Yeah, and there's a lot of debate about exactly what generational sin is. For me personally, where I would where I have a tendency to stand on that is more about like. This, the things that I hold on to that are not kingdom, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, those get passed down yeah. as much as the things that I hold to that are kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I focus and emphasize those kingdom characteristics, the generosity and forgiveness, I pass those on to my kids as much as I pass on bitterness and greed and you know anger, anger, all those things. Like yeah. if I have an anger problem, doesn't matter how would I say about Jesus. If I have an anger problem, I pass anger on yeah. to my kids. Yeah, that's very true. So anyway, that's that's kind of where I, I feel like Jesus is making this massive statement. And then by that, after that, he goes on and tells this parable about a guy who owed a king. Bunch of bunch of money, um, ten thousand talents. Which, depending on how you define talent, it's a it's a lot of money. It's in the millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, and the king forgives the debt, and then he goes out and finds a guy who owes him a few thousand dollars, and he refuses to forgive the debt. And Jesus concludes this this whole thing with, "The measure that you use to forgive, that's when you'll be, where you'll be forgiven." Mm-hmm. And that's why, for for me, like I don't I don't want to ever not forgive. Cause I don't ever want to be a place in my life where I'm not forgiven, yeah. you know? And I think that's the bigger, the bigger story that Jesus is trying to make. So then how do we work towards keeping from being offended when, when someone does wrong us, what do we, how yeah. do we practically work, work through that? It, here's, here's the bottom line of that. There is no way to hundred percent avoid being offended mm-hmm. for multiple reasons. One is because hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to, if you're going to be in the kingdom, you're going to mm-hmm. be pulled towards environments where there's hurt people. They just, you just are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where God says to go take his love. Um, so they'll, the other thing is I have limited knowledge about your expression. And what happens in the brain, and we've talked a little bit about this before, is that because I have to close the loop on things that you say. So let's say you say mm-hmm. something and you can mean nothing by it. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, nice shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Was So was yesterday, I didn't wear a good shirt. And tomorrow yeah. you think you don't think I have any fashion sense? You know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right? Just run, 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 run with it. And all, what I do with that, what I do with that is... Every time I close the loop out of my own brokenness, I decide, I assign you a motive mm-hmm. out of my own woundedness, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like, that's a hundred, there's a hundred percent chance of that being wrong. Yeah. Right. Every yeah. time. So that, that's the problem is that we wind up, um, we will wind up being offended by other people. Mm-hmm. What we want to work toward is, um, I think it's Paul says, we got to be slow to wrath, slow to anger. You got to be really slow to those things. Mm-hmm. Slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to wrath, slow to anger. Um, and I think wrestling with, um, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 and the the love is patient, love is kind. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really good place for us to be ruminating on what does that mean? What do those words mean? And and we don't have to pull them all apart here. We did a sermon series years ago on this. Um, mm-hmm. But it... There's a couple of things in there that I think are particularly significant in regards to forgiveness. Um, first of all, it says that love doesn't keep a record of wrong, which is what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like the tally sheet and the I'm not working towards letting that go when it's small. And it's, I mean, this is just a microcosm of this argument. Like when you get into a, an argument or your spouse says something that hurts your feelings, if you don't talk about it right away, uh, if you're like, <gasps> And you just shut down. Mm-hmm. When you come back to it, it's always way bigger mm-hmm. than when you started. Yeah, it'll come back to mind three weeks later in another argument. And it's like, oh, yeah, and you did this. Yeah. 
And, and you know what it meant? And yeah. I've connected these two dots. And, <laughs> and it's become a way bigger deal than <laughs> yeah. it was three weeks like, ago. You've got to be kidding me. Like, how are you connecting those two dots? Yeah. It's it's almost like bitterness causes us to go crazy in our logic. And, mm-hmm. and in our brain, it makes total logical sense. But it's like, it's like we're saying the sky is blue and the ink in that pen is blue. So the ink in that pen is made out of sky. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah, you start just drawing these insane connections. Yeah, and, yeah. We're, and we're like... Uh, and, and willing to die on that hill, right? Mm-hmm. Willing to die. Because it's not about resolving the issue or getting over my hurt. It's about making you pay for what you did to me. And that's mm-hmm. that's when it gets really bad. But love doesn't keep a record of wrong. Mm-hmm. So if I'm keeping a tally sheet on someone, I don't love them. Mm-hmm. Like point blank. So the place to begin maybe is to maybe let go of the tally sheet mm-hmm. and uh uh, the scales of do you treat me good or do you treat me bad? Mm-hmm. Like I can have appropriate boundaries even with somebody who's really dysfunctional and love them well and not not have to not have to push past where they're safe and also not have to be bitter and keep a record of wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. And it's this tension that we live in in the Christian world, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the that's the first thing. It doesn't don't keep records of wrong. Like knock that stuff off. Number one, you don't know what they were thinking or feeling. Mm-hmm. So the assumption that you do is arrogant and it's destructive to the relationship. You have no idea. So the goal then in approaching a okay, I'm a, I am offended and I need to address this because we conflict. We mm-hmm. want to talk about conflict. The goal then would be that I sit down in a posture of um questioning. I want to ask questions. I want to understand, mm-hmm. not accuse, mm-hmm. not demand, mm-hmm. not make statements about that person's right. Like you, know, you did this yeah. and it meant this and yeah. therefore you must do this or I will retaliate. Yeah. Therefore you must be a terrible person. Absolutely. That is, that is a, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> it's a mark of immaturity. Mm-hmm. It's a mark of immaturity. Like children play that way. <laughs> um, that's junior high locker room yeah. stuff. You know, that's the, Walking down the halls, I heard somebody was so mad at you, and they said, "Baby, and they said this, and they said this, and they're telling everybody they're spreading it all over." <laughs> Love doesn't keep a record of wrong. Right. Um, the other thing is that love. There's a there's a statement in there. Um, it is not easily provoked. Is how it's translated in the English. What it means in the Greek there is that it doesn't take up an offense. Mm-hmm. Love doesn't take up an offense. It's not, it's not easily offended. Some translations will say it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take up offense. And I would say that in forgiveness, like I don't, I don't want to take up offense against other people. Here's another thing, another place where this is actually really significant. I'm not going to own somebody else's offense either. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to do, <sighs> especially when it's someone you care about. And... Yeah. And one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn in ministry is that there's two sides to every story. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's my own story, because I know my side of my story, right? Yeah. And I know that it, and and you know, in leading people, like there's this weird disconnect between what I say and what I meant when I said, and what they hear, and what they think I meant when I said when I said what I said, and you're like, no, like you're an idiot, you're dumb. Well, they're none of those things. They're none of those things, mm-hmm. and and. I cannot take up an offense every time someone misunderstands me. I can't do that. What I have to do is fight for understanding. I have to, and not fight from a position of like anger, but to really work towards 
to be committed to understanding, not being right, not even necessarily being heard, but fighting to understand the other person's side. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I have to work towards. And it's hard uh, because I love being right. (laughs) I love being right. It's a great book um, by Brant Hansen. Uh, my friend Ron Little gave it to me, uh, who's part of our Pullman campus. Ron and Judy Little are some of the coolest people in the <laughs> entire world. Um, just super positive and encouraging and yeah, prayerful, and I just love them. Um, anyway, the book is Unoffendable. It's the name of the book, Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. And um, it's a great read. It's a great read mm-hmm. uh, as far as getting over the, like, you don't have the right to be offended. Mm-hmm. And and I know people like in our world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but I was just going to say like I feel like especially like where culture is at right now, it's like an all time high. Of, yeah, you yeah. don't have yeah. the right to be offended and and or angry. You don't have the right to be angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that one of the things he says in the book, and it's really powerful, is we should be angry at the things that make God angry. And he goes, no, God does all kinds of things that we don't get to do. Hmm. And the reason is because his character can handle it. Mm. Ours can't. That's interesting. Is And I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's probably right. It's probably true. <laughs> you know, it's really good. But I love, I love a good vindication story, especially when it's my own. Mm-hmm. When someone else pays for wronging me, like I love that. Um, it's good stuff. But anyway, that book is phenomenal in describing that. And it, it's a great place if you're working towards working through towards forgiveness in issues. And, and again, I'm not talking about the major ones. If it's in a major issue, like it's abuse or molesting or um, some of those things, counseling mm-hmm. is the place where you need to begin. Like mm-hmm. you need to begin there. Hear me say this on this podcast. <laughs> on the record. Counseling is the place you need to begin for the begins. But for the, the things that have just, we've just gotten bitter about it over the years, um, this book is a great place to begin. That's good. Well, we will uh, link that up in the show notes for you and you can check that out. Uh, any any final closing thoughts on this, Aaron, before we wrap things up? Um, my favorite statement about forgiveness is just uh, when you refuse to forgive, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm-hmm. I don't know who, who originated. I've heard yeah. it a lot of different places, but um, that's... Forgiveness is about setting me free from the situation, not about letting the other person off the hook. And that's critical. Awesome. Well, we'll be talking about that more in church this weekend, Moscow and Pullman. So uh, make sure you join us. And uh, again, we want to make sure you're sharing, subscribing, leaving a review for this podcast. We're trying to make sure, especially within our church, since we're, you know, correlating with our sermon series. So share it with a friend who sits next to you in church. Make sure people know where to find it. And uh, we will see you again next week.